0: Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. I'm going to assume all of our listeners heard about the recent solar eclipse. While many of us stood in awe of the event, some of our EPRI researchers were hard at work analyzing the impact on the solar energy across the country in various regions. I have two angles to this podcast. In a few minutes, we're going to hear audio from our research team that was stationed at the Tennessee Valley Authority's Melton Hill Dam location near Knoxville where EPRI has several solar PV arrays. Also, I have here in the studio with me in Charlotte, Aidan Tui, EPRI Senior Project Manager for Grid Operations and Planning, to offer additional perspective on the analysis that is now underway, based on the data collected during the eclipse. Aidan, thanks for joining me today. First, I think we just need to acknowledge how incredible this event was. What was the experience like for you?
1: It was really awesome. It was, um, we went to a friend's house in Knoxville and Know, had a few things to eat and then didn't expect it to be as kind of almost life-changing as it was the, the mood around it and the way the lights changed just before it and during the eclipse just being able to understand what was really happening was, was pretty awesome it was it said it was life-changing really can't wait for the next one in seven years time
0: <laughs> and I've heard it described as kind of an eerie calm was that your sense
1: yeah it was like a very strange twilight it, like a The light going down but in a very different colors and part of me was wondering whether or not i'd done some damage to my eyes looking at the eclipse looking at the colors that were that i could see around the place but yeah everyone else seemed to be having the same experience i realized it wasn't me but it was was pretty cool and then when you started seeing the other side of the eclipse all the 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 rays from the sun and being able to see the shadows that was pretty awesome
0: well and here in charlotte we didn't have 100% totality, but still, it was like dusk, and for a couple of minutes, we could hear the cicadas singing, and the streetlights came on, and it was you could even feel the temperature drop a little bit.
1: Yeah, and birds flying around, not knowing what was happening. Yeah, they were very confused. It was was, was pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Well, I do want to take a minute to listen to what happened in Tennessee. A big thanks to my colleague, Annie Haas, who recorded this for us and spoke to EPRI technical leader in distributed renewables, Ben York, and some of his colleagues during the total solar eclipse. It's eclipse time, and everybody is gathered here from EPRI, visitors, friends, reporters, and we are all hanging out because of this once-in-a-lifetime, for most of us, experience to be in the path of totality today. So, Ben, you don't need to look at me, but I want you to talk to me. Okay. What are you most excited about here, and what are you seeing right now? Well, we're seeing a little bit of a partial eclipse. Sun's kind of peeking in and out of the clouds, so that's making things a little interesting for for some of the data collection. So uh, what we're most excited about I think is to put it in perspective. I think to see based on all the data that we've collected uh, over the years at this site and many other sites to see you know what does an eclipse look like versus cloud cover versus, you know, the overcast day. Um, and so it's sort of uh, and be for able to you, plug that into some of our research. And so, but for you personally, what do you think? Oh, what I think it's pretty, pretty awesome. I think it'll be really interesting in about an hour. Bruce Rogers, hi. Hi. Tell us what we're looking at here.
1: This is a demonstration set up in cooperation with. Tennessee Valley Authority, and EPRI, and it's demonstrating a number of different renewable technologies at the Melton Hill Recreational Area. It was established a number of years ago to ele- enable TVA to both demonstrate this technology in a recreational uh, application, so that the general public could come in and see it in use in in application, and in this case, in local recreational parks. We're looking here at the pictures from the Sky Imager, it's taking like a 180 degree photo of the complete sky. Uh, it's usually used for uh, solar forecasting. Uh, so you yeah, can analyze cloud movement, so cloud height, cloud position. And so you can make a short term forecast. And we're making here for the whole day pictures of the sky in five second resolution with different exposure times.
0: It's about to happen. Sliver, sliver, sliver. Wow. Vanishing. like twilight all the way around how cool is this thanks again to annie haas and ben york for bringing us that audio from tva's melton hill site i'm back in our studio with aiden tui aiden we heard what was happening in totality but every was monitoring sites around the country what are some of the other locations involved in this study
1: yeah, so as well as the uh, TVA side of Melton Hill, we were also following the solar power output from nine different solar plants in Alabama, Georgia, Indiana, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin, as well as some solar panels in Arizona. So we did get a pretty broad view of what was happening across the country from totality to areas with less than 70, 80% um, obscuration. So it should be a pretty interesting report, and we can look at how that is actually impacted and how that variation can happen.
0: That was actually my next question. In Charlotte, we had about 97%, which was actually dramatically different just observing it from 100% an hour away in South Carolina. Do you expect to see similar differences in the amount of solar that was lost during the event?
1: Yeah, a lot of the models that were out there actually showed somewhat of a linear um, relationship between the amount of solar lost and the obscuration. Once you go beyond that really high uh, 97, 98, then there's a bit of a jump when you see the 100%. But um, I think one of the things we really want to see is is that type of information and trying to better understand that. Um, when this happened in Europe, they definitely saw some of those types of things, and I think I'll talk about that in a while. But the uh, the idea was that you know we, we would expect from the models that are out there a pretty significant drop-off. California saw a pretty large drop-off, as, as some people may have seen already.
0: And North Carolina is right behind California in solar, so I know they were prepping for that here as well.
1: Yeah, from what I understand, number two in installed capacity and number two in per capita in terms of the continental United States.
0: So, to my knowledge, there have not been any reports of power losses or interruptions during the event. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. But from what we've heard from many of the grid operators we've had contacts with, there's been very little, if any, um, reliability issues or any any challenges in terms of actually meeting demand on the system. So, um, that that was what was expected, but it's um, so it's not a surprise, but it's still uh, good to see that that's what's happened.
0: And it also means that utilities were prepping for this months in advance. What types of activities were happening and how was EPRI engaged?
1: Yeah, so so we've started as a, as an industry and the solar integration um, side of things uh, discussing this at least a year ago. People were starting to point out this was coming. They saw what happened in Europe in 2015. Um, so first of all, lessons learned from Europe was one of the big, cha- big um, helping factors in this. We also did see um, a lot of utilities – study the potential impacts on the weather so understanding cloud movement looking at what a typical day a typical clear day in in this time of year would look like and then trying to understand what would happen with cloud across the the solar plants um not only that though you also have to look at how the weather would change and most people would have realized in especially if they were in totality how the temperature dipped quite a few degrees and i think even here might have happened as well um So trying to understand that, trying to understand that it impact on wind power and other types of uh, renewable resources on the system. So um, a pretty big amount of studies, first of all, on what the nature of the resource was going to look like. And then once they've done that, they start looking at what does that mean from our day to day operations? So trying to understand things like, do we make sure we have enough quick starting response plant or quick responding plant? Do we need to carry additional reserves to manage the the variability that will be caused? Um, They're used to doing this on a daily basis. That's what operators do. Um, but this was somewhat more extreme in, in the sense that it was a different time of day, possibly a, a larger ramp rate that they were seeing than they were used to seeing. Um, so trying to make sure that they actually had the resources available to them and, and were ready to to do that. Um, and then prepping with customers, with stakeholders to make sure they were engaged and knew what was going on. Um, making sure, for example, that generators were going to be available when there was a drop off in the solar power, and that they didn't decide to go on maintenance at this time of year, which doesn't happen in August anyway, so being in august was 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 actually a relatively good thing there um, trying to understand some of those other potential impacts and then coordinate getting things like conference lines ready to make sure that they could communicate with the stakeholders as quickly as possible if there was any issues which which there wasn't so that that was kind of a lot of the main challenge our main um preparations that were done. They certainly learned a lot of that from what happened in Europe, as well as just what's happening on a relatively regular basis when you see these large drop-offs in solar at the end of the day and the and rise in the demand. So, definitely things that they've been doing already, somewhat intensified around at the time of the eclipse, and will continue going after the eclipse.
0: So, how was this different from just a cloudy day?
1: Um, So so the the speed, I guess, of the movement, if if you think about it from a system perspective, California or the the Duke Energy Territory here in the the Carolinas, on a cloudy day, you probably aren't going to get it all coming down and then going back up in in uniform. So if you look at the shapes typically on a cloudy day, what a solar output looks like, rising in the morning, sticking around in the middle of the day and coming down at the end of the day, with cloudy days, you'll see a little bit of variation but it won't necessarily be a steep drop off the way you might have seen yesterday and then a steep ramp up. And when it drops off, you're needing to make sure you've got resources to manage that and, and get online as quick as possible. Um, when uh, when it gets back up, it's it's about getting other resources offline to, to accommodate that solar or, or storing the solar after storage. Um, it might differ from a cloudy day, but then at the end of the day, when you got all the solar dropping off as normal, that, that's not too dissimilar to what we would have seen yesterday and in, in, in maybe yesterday was a little bit more extreme than what we're seeing at current penetration levels but certainly in five years 10 years time with the expected solar that you're seeing on the system the type of drop-off that happened as the solar eclipse the eclipse was coming over you're probably going to start seeing that on a very regular basis um, at the end of the day as the solar power goes away so those types of ramp rates was a good early lesson good early insight for what might be seen in in a more common basis, on a more frequent basis in in the future.
0: Interesting. Well, you mentioned Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, You did an analysis on the March 2015 solar eclipse there, uh, and several gigawatts of solar power were actually lost during that event, but no significant impact. So what did U.S. operators learn from that event?
1: A lot of it was those preparations I just listed. um, Understanding first what's going to happen and and how it differs from a normal day. um, Understanding what resources that might mean you might need. Um, Germany saw a pretty significant amount of its solar energy lost. It was partially eclipsed. I think it was something around the same as what California was this year. So they lost about a third of their solar energy during that eclipse period that they otherwise would have expected. Um, One of the things they did that i guess california may have needed to do this time as well but particularly in the future others are going to need to do is make sure that they're coordinating well with their neighbors that they had space on the transmission lines between germany and, and switzerland germany and this, the nordic system and france so that if things do start happening they can actually rely on their neighbors um, They again carried more operating reserves in italy it was pretty interesting they had the ability to uh to control a lot of their pv and so they did that and uh were able to curtail their PV in the morning so that the ramp off when the, the eclipse was happening wasn't quite as severe. And I do know that some of the utilities here in the U.S. were looking at some similar approaches to managing the eclipse yesterday and, and will continue to do that for, for large ramps that they see on the system.
0: So Europe, you saw countries having to work together to yeah. manage this. Here, I'm assuming it was more regional. Were the regional operators talking and trying to figure out how to handle this?
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, they always are in in. in day-to-day operations and and a good example of that and that's happened in the past year or so is is or a few years is in california the energy imbalance market where they now coordinate a lot more closely across to, to, to manage real-time energy imbalances across different parts of the western united states um certainly yesterday that would have helped them a lot in terms of getting through some of the the large ramps that they saw during the eclipse so better coordination between the different regions is both on the eclipse that happens once every you know seven years now is the next one and then it'll be another 20 years or something after that Um, but also on a day-to-day basis that coordination with with high levels of renewables becomes increasingly important Um, certainly you've seen that in the US and in Europe where they they coordinate between countries here it's a lot more about the different system operators um, coordinating between each other and there's there's definitely a move towards that increased coordination.
0: So you and Ben York and your teams are in the process of analyzing and pulling together all of the data that was collected, and you'll have a report um, in early September to summarize that. Based on initial feedback, were there any surprises?
1: Um, From what we've heard, um, from the grid operations side of things, um, certainly there wasn't huge surprises. Some of them have said that it's be, it was maybe on the upper end of what they were thinking might happen in terms of the speed of change, um, but nothing they hadn't planned for, and nothing that would have, would have impacted on reliability. Um, as well as that, one of the things that was really obvious, and again was was somewhat expected, um, was the load drop off. It wasn't just solar because everyone was going outside looking at looking at the sun. Productivity dropped off, as you might have seen on the on the news. Um, and as well as that, then the. Um, the load would have dropped off. People leaving their office to go out and look at the eclipse. People taking the day off work. Um, so th- that's been something that's been observed in in past eclipses as well. Um, in the UK, they've compared it to the soccer World Cup, where you know everyone's watching TV, so they stop working and the same thing here. Um, here they compared to the Super Bowl or to the O.J. Simpson trial or other type of things like that, where it's uh, big big events that everyone in the country is observing, have a pretty significant impact on load. Um, as well as the fact that the temperature would have dropped and, and therefore dropped a lot of the air conditioning load as well. So there definitely was an impact that way. That was maybe not, not as much that it wasn't surprising to utilities as much as most people focused on the solar power aspects There was also this other issues around load. Um, from a solar perspective, um, I think Ben and his team will have a lot more um, detail on the particular of it, individual solar panels. From the grid operations side, we definitely look forward to, to working with some of the utilities to help analyse some of their data and, and understand... You know, what, what What can this show us about future solar operations in a high solar system?
0: Now, what about DER? I know there are some utilities that still aren't quite sure what's behind the meter as far as people having solar panels on their houses. Does an event like this give any insight or, or clarity to that?
1: It, it can. And I know some of the, the regional transmission operators, uh, the Southwest Power Pool and PJM both were talking about this as a good opportunity to understand how much solar is actually out there in their system. Um, when they're these large systems that have tens or even hundreds of gigawatts of of demand, looking at these smaller kilowatt-sized systems can be quite challenging. So, this was hopefully a way to to use their uh, to train their models to better understand how much distributed PV is on their system. So, that's definitely something they were hoping to do, um, as well as test their forecasting systems. There's been a lot of effort over the past five or ten years on better understanding how to forecast next day or next hour, how much distributed PV has been forecasted or how much will be produced. And so one of the challenges there is you don't have access to live data on a very regular basis from rooftop PV, smaller commercial PV, trying to understand can the models that they use, which typically take an estimate and say, well, I know in this general footprint, I've got so many kilowatts of PV or so many megawatts of PV. This is what I expect the irradiance to be. What does that mean from a production perspective? Um, this Yesterday could have helped them understand that and train their models, so it should be a pretty in, invaluable event for that um, because they know what, what actually happened with the sun, so they can extract that. At the same time, load is also going to be impacted, so completely netting that out is going to be challenging, and it'll be an interesting research project with a lot of interesting data, I think, over the next few years.
0: Plenty more research to do, right? It's always more research. <laughs> now, you mentioned seven years, April 8th, 2024. What are your plans?
1: um it'll be my daughter's 7th birthday so Aww. um i'll be uh hopefully we'll be celebrating with her somewhere around the totality uh, after the eclipse yesterday i called my wife and said well we, we have to be going to the totality the next time because <laughs> they weren't there yesterday but uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll get to see it the next time around um and hopefully we'll be as an industry even better prepared in terms of solar power and ma- making sure we're we're well on top of things and, and understanding the potential implications and are integrating solar in a more efficient and reliable way by that stage.
0: Thanks in large part to what you and Ben and your teams are doing. So. Hopefully. <laughs> well, the white paper with EPRI's analysis will be available on our website, epri.com, in early September. We also have a quick insight already posted on our website detailing how operators were preparing for the eclipse. You can find that by searching Quick Insights Preparing for the 2017 Solar Eclipse. Aiden, thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Thanks, Aiden. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.